Hey, good morning, Grace Church. My name is Jesse, and I'm one of the pastors. And another welcome to everyone here. Uh, if you've been attending Grace for a while or, you know, this is your first time, I, I hope that God moves you into becoming a part of just this community and a, just a love part of this church. Uh, we always teach out of God's Word. We love the Bible here at Grace Church. And so if you would like to follow along with an actual Bible in your hands, our ushers will be getting a Bible, right, Miss Patty? And coming down and just raise your hand and she will give you one of our house Bibles. Now, we've all been burned, Right? I mean by a stove or by an oven, something hot. And our bodies and our brains are amazing to learn not to get burned again, right? Especially maybe as a, as a kid, you got burned on the stove and you're like, oh, and then the pain of it. And we learn defense mechanisms to not get hurt again. Well, in relationships, we get burned. We get hurt by people. And we learn how to distance ourselves from people that hurt us, which is a great, important thing. But it can also, uh, if we, it, here's the problem. We all hurt each other, right? I hurt the people that I love the most. I don't want to, but I do. We all hurt each other. And if we, if all we do is build walls and distance ourselves from people that hurt us, we will find ourselves alone, estranged from people, missing out on what God wants to do in us and through us in those hurting relationships. We're in this series called Hindsight. Hindsight is supposed to be where you look back on life and, and you, we learn from those. We have clarity about decisions that we've made that were hurtful or brokenness, and we learn from them so that we can have clarity to change for the better for the future. The problem is that sometimes we get stuck in our failure. We get stuck in our brokenness, our woundedness, and it can define us. And it can control us, sometimes without us even understanding and aware that the pain from our past is controlling us today. And so in this series, we want to let God release us and change us from uh, the, the past that defines and controls us to propel us and move us forward to become more like Jesus in how we view ourselves and our relationship with other people. And so two weeks ago, Pastor Scott talked about regret and how regret can often just keep us paralyzed in our lives and keep us from being able to move forward. But godly regret, regret propels us forward to change. Last week he talked about repentance, where this change of our minds affects the change of our heart, which affects a change in our behavior and our lifestyle. And when we truly repent and let God change us, it gives us space to breathe, right? This freedom in our lives. And today is about reconciliation, and next week about restoration. The goal of this series is really restoration. The first two messages was, was more about the internal work that God wants to do inside of us. But when that work happens inside of us, it is, it's meant to transform and change our external relationships with other people. And so today, about restoration, I'm sorry, reconciliation, it's the four R's. <laughs> Sometimes I get them confused. You know which one I'm talking about if I confuse them. Uh, but reconciliation is just maybe a simple definition. When hurt relationships are healed, when there was this distance, this separation that we work to come back together to embrace each other in spite of that hurt. Uh, this happens most frequently in my home, right? That's probably where it happens most frequently for you, uh, where we can, I, you know, my wife 
and we have four kids that are, and we're all very passionate, very big personalities. And it can happen where we say something that's hurtful to each other. You identify with that? And, and you can feel the distance that forms. You can feel the coldness in the relationship. And as time goes on, we calm down, we come together, and we say, I'm sorry. And with my boys in particular, when I need to reconcile, I'll rub their backs after I say, I'm sorry. And it just bonds us back together again, right? There's nothing like a little back rub that makes you just reconnect. But it takes work. It's not easy to reconcile when you feel that distance. And sometimes we can get tired of doing this work of reconciling hurt relationships. And if and when we become tired of reconciling, the distance will continue to grow. And the warmth will continue to get colder. And, and, and we can become enemies with ones that we at one point loved. Marriages end. Estranged relationships between parents and siblings. Friends that were once close that are now distant and cold. Divisions. Because this can be one-on-one -on -one with individuals. But this can, is also social. Between groups of people the political divides, all the different, the COVID divides, all of the, the, the social ways that we are meant, God wants us to be reconciled. We just become enemies to each other, don't we? You see, without Jesus, our natural tendency is to build walls, to distance ourselves from people that we think that are hurting us and even hurt back. And it just creates this ever-growing distance and cycle. But the Bible is so practical and so relevant. And if, if you don't know that about the Bible, it's so true. That, and one of the things that the Bible does is teach us how to have healthy, godly reconciliation between hurt people and hurt groups of people. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, so you can open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians um, on your phone, the paper one on the screens. Uh, Paul planted a church in a city called Corinth, and he's writing a letter to, to this church church. And in chapter 5, verse 17, Paul just frames reconciliation in this way. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, anyone who is in Christ, you are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Amen? Amen. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us pay attention, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world, the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And entrusting to us, 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 the people of God, um, the ministry, the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake. He made him to be sin. That's Christ Jesus, who knew no sin, so that we can become the righteousness of God. Now there is so much that can be said about this passage. It is so full of goodness, but I want to begin with God reconciled us to him because we are the ones who hurt God. It's so important that we start here and we understand this. You see, we sinned against God. It wasn't God's fault. We are the ones who hurt God. We are the ones who have, that 
distance, eternal distance and separation has happened because of our sin against God. Romans chapter 5, we'll close with this. It says that we were once enemies to God. And so the reconciliation between us and God, the, the, the healing of hurt relationship, happened, was initiated by God, not by us. And so our, the first point is reconciliation begins in the heart of God, not in humans. Is it on, was it up there before? Dustin, sorry, bro. Boom, not in humans. And I make that distinction because human versions of reconciliation will always fall short. Human beings do not understand the fullness. It does not come from the heart of the gospel, the good news of God. It, it will, human versions of, rest, of reconciliation will always be short-sighted, distorted, incomplete. Do not be fooled. Restorative justice, racial reconciliation, reconciliation between people in the courtroom. and diff- All of those things are important values, but all of them are defined how they work themselves out by God, not by human beings. One, it, it, the one who had all of the power, the one who was hurt, took it upon himself to humble himself, to die so that the other can be pardoned and come close and to come near. We do not deserve this. This is undeserved mercy. We don't deserve it from God that he has given to us. And when this truth gets into your heart, when you realize, God, I, am, I have sinned against heaven and I am so sorry and you forgive me and I don't deserve it, over and over and over again, it changes you forever. It truly transforms your heart. It changes you. You can't help it. You become a different person. And so the second point is that reconciliation with God leads us to reconciliation with other people. The first one is horizontal in us with God, but then it, it will overflow into our relationships with each other. You become uh, presbeos, which is the Greek word for an ambassador. The New Testament was originally written in the Greek language. Paul says, you are ambassadors for Christ. You have the authority, the full authority from God to do this work among other people of reconciliation. That is amazing. First, we help other people get reconciled to God because it has to start there. But then we also help the reconciliation between people and between people groups and between us and other people as well. It is both. It flows in us. And then it flows out of us. We are only able to do this because this is truly a supernatural work, a work of God in us. We are only able to do this, to hurt, to forgive, to restore, to reconcile hurt relationships with people that have hurt us. We can only do that when we've experienced it from God. We don't deserve it, and God has done it and given it to us. And if you do not want to reconcile with people who have hurt you, or groups of people, tribes out there, political factions. We can go on and on, right? If you don't want to see reconciliation between people and people groups, it, is, it should help awaken something inside of you that there's more work that God wants to do in you. Which is 
an invitation into something beautiful. That is not a condemnation. That is an invitation. And to go back to the first two messages. That's kind of where we talked about that stuff. Into freedom. To truly love others the way that you can only give if you've experienced it and been set free from God. Jesus gets really practical in how to reconcile with other people that have hurt you in Matthew chapter 18. So flip over to Matthew 18. And in this chapter, Jesus is teaching a, b- a bunch of different ways of how to, uh, res- how to do relationships well. Number one, you've got to humble yourself like a child. The disciples say, how many times have you got to forgive someone? Seven times? He says, not even close. Seventy-seven. Which is this, this, this way of saying you got to keep forgiving over. You just never stop. Get used to it. <laughs> And then in verse 15, this is what Jesus says. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. There's some concepts I want to pull out of here. This feels like a we need to talk kind of moment. You know those moments? We all hate those moments. Some maybe like them, but this is a we got to talk moment. And it's not just one moment, although in this passage it's one moment, but really reconciliation is is a is a process of these moments. we got to talk moments, right? I have been married for almost 15 years, and there's just this look. There's this kind of stare that I'm not proud of that I give to my wife, and I can tell that it hurts her every time. And I, it's taken me 15 years to get somewhat better at not giving this look. But when I do, i got to ask for forgiveness, and it's not just a moment. It's like a series of moments She's over there. Uh, of working to, you know, uh, of having these talks. Reconciliation happens in loving relationships. It takes uh, give and take on both parts, right? It takes the person who has been sinned against, who's been hurt, to say, hey, we need to talk. That takes courage and done in a loving way. And then it takes courage and ownership on the person that did the hurting to own it, to humble yourself and to say, I am so sorry. This should not happen through a text message. Right? We have lost the art of relationships coming back together. And, you know, this is my pastoral guidance to you. Face-to-face or, you know, at the very least, a phone call. <laughs> Don't leave a voicemail. Have the, we need to learn how to have these conversations to come back Together, notice it is the one who has been hurt who initiates it. Just like Jesus did. We go and do like Jesus did for other people. If you've been hurt like we hurt Jesus, you are the one who goes and does the initiation. That is super hard. My wife is better at it than I am, right, sweetie? You are. You are. Um, we want to build walls. And Jesus is saying, if you've been hurt, build a bridge. Build a bridge. Go to that person. Go to them if they've hurt you. How long has it been? Has it been years? Build a bridge. Go to them. Be like Christ. Go and reconcile. Go and tell them what they've done. Jesus is empowering you to be an agent of reconciliation, of healing. Don't bring others in, right? Jesus says go to the person. Don't bring others along. Don't get gossipy. Don't post it on social media, whatever. The goal, you should have one motive, and that is restoration 
of the relationship. Next week, Pastor Dan will teach us about the goal. But what if they don't own it, right? That's maybe a question. What if, like, they're not turning from the pain, the sin? What if they're not owning it? Well, the next verse, Jesus teaches us, well, we need to escalate it. So verse 16 says, If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Now, the context of this is church discipline. That's really this, this moment. And it's like an intervention. No one wants to be intervented on, right? And so that does happen, and that can happen. I've been a pastor here for 10 years. It's happened like a few times. But it doesn't happen that often. Really, this happens in everyday kind of relationships in a, in a different kind of way. If someone has hurt you, that is not okay. Never okay. And you, and you should, and Jesus would encourage you, command you, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, uh, to, to address it with that person. But it takes ownership on both sides. What if that person doesn't listen? You escalate it. And one of the ways you do that is by bringing other people, I would say, into your own, into it, into your journey with it. Instead of an intervention with that person, which can happen, I would advise against it in most situations, you help other people come alongside you to establish boundaries and to pray for that person that God would soften, change their heart so they can turn and repent, right? So they can own it. Now, there's a difference between boundaries and walls, Boundaries are relational limits. It's like, for example, you, you know, go to the Thanksgiving dinner with, and your uncle's there, and you're like, we're not going to talk politics, uncle. It's just, this is my boundary. The reason is because I love you and I want us to have a good relationship. It's really for the purpose of healthy, thriving relationships. That's the purpose of these limits on the relationship. Now, a wall is like, I ain't going. That person's dead to me. Now, there may be some relationships where you need to build some semi-permanent walls and, you, you know, there's the, you really do need to completely detach and that's a limited situation. But even in the most awful things, God can break through and we're going to see a story in a moment that there is no one who's too far gone, that God cannot change. And when they do change and repent, God can even reconcile and restore that where you can, God can tear down that wall. Um, Reconciliation takes time. And so we need to be patient with ourselves and with the other person. We need to pray and allow God to do this work inside of us. Last week we shared the story of Jamal and Andrew. And if you weren't here, let me summarize. Jamal was wrongly convicted of selling drugs. And he went to, he was uh, 10 years in federal prison was what the judge gave him. Andrew was the police officer who set the whole thing up. True story. And Andrew, a few years after the Jamal incident, uh, was caught stealing money, stealing drugs from the police department and also from drug dealers and planting evidence. And he got into all that last week, if you saw the video. He got caught, and the next day he was going to take his life. His wife told him to go talk to a pastor. And he began to confess. And in that video, he said, as he confessed, he got himself back. He wanted to, he realized he wanted to become that officer that he first wanted to be where he was bringing healing and peace into situations instead of hurting people. Um, started feeling regret. 
He came to Jesus, and Jesus began to do a work. He started feeling regret, not for what he, that, not that he got caught, but how he had hurt other people. So he does 37 months in federal prison, and then he goes to the FBI, and he starts to say, hey, these are all of the people that I put in jail. And the FBI begins to go through case by case, and one of those cases is Jamel. And that's where we pick up the story today. I made a goal for myself in prison to harm the officers whenever I got out. I was deeply hurt um, by everything that had happened. My turning point from that was I realized that I had a son and I wanted a different life for him. There was a Bible on my desk. This day I just said, you know what? I'm gonna read the Bible. My mind just went blank and God stepped in and was telling me, hey, let it go. This ain't even a fight. You know, I'm giving him everything, all this hurt, all this bitterness, I'm giving it away to him. Counselor says to me, hey, where would you go if he's released today, tomorrow, or six months from now? I'm like, hey, probably to my grandma's house. He was like, well, I need the address. And he was like, when I gave him the address, he said, you got 15 minutes to leave. The fax machine beeped and he handed me the paper. And that was a letter from the judge um, saying that my conviction was overturned and I had to leave the premises immediately. So I grabbed the paper and um, I stepped outside the door and I just simply said, thank you, Jesus. I gave away my hurt, my pain my frustration, and God gave me um, an exit. Out of all the guys who I chased around as a police officer, Jamel was not one of them. He was never on my target before. I didn't think of him much after. I don't think I ever thought about Jamel in prison. It wasn't until we ran into each other after I got out. Two years after I get out, I get to meet my son for the very first time. He wanted to go to the park this day. My idea was just to let him run through the park and I would just stay on the sidewalk and then I saw you. I remember I'm there and uh, you came over and you, you stuck out your hand and I remember thinking like, okay, good. You know, this is gonna be a good interaction. And when I shook your hand, you said, you remember my name? I looked down at my son and said, explain to, to him why I was missing out on these years of his life. Yeah, I think that was worse than being punched, right? And uh, I think at that point, it's just when I started apologizing to you. And then like, I get done saying I'm sorry and you just kept grabbing me. <laughs> you just kept holding on. Like, what was going on in your brain? When, like, why wouldn't you let me go? I was waiting on God to give me a clear sign, an answer or something of what I should be doing. Uh, I think it's amazing to be able to talk to you now and find out you were battling with God. I had no clue that you had that run-in with Jesus in prison. You had no clue I had that run-in with Jesus through this whole thing. God had let me know um, in that moment, like, this ain't even your fight. Get out of my way. I ended up releasing you and um, walking away. Three weeks in that class, you get to uh, meet your mentor. And Miss P comes to me and says, 
hey, we finally got your mentor. We understand that he's done some things at the city of Ben Harbor. And I was like, wait a minute, Miss P. Who is it already? And she was like, Andrew Collins. Oh, no way. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Let me pray on that. You know, God, I think God is telling me he wants this to happen. Princella had talked to me that day about being your mentor. She comes oh. down, she's like, hey, there's this guy in the class. I think God has just laid it on my heart. You need to be wow. his mentor. And, and I said, okay, who is it? She said, his name's Zuki. Do you know him? And I was like, I don't, I don't think I know him personally. You know, I forgot that's what people call you. An hour and a half later, you come walking in, and all of a sudden I'm brought back <laughs> to that angry dude gripping my hand. And I was like, oh, shoot. But I also felt like God had, like, opened this door for a second chance for me to apologize to you. I felt like I failed that day, right? So I said, man, I'm so sorry for everything I did to you. And I remember you just like leaning away from me, like you were offended that I was even talking about it. And you just kept reassuring me that it was over. You just kept saying, it's over, bro, it's over. And I remember you telling me I believed you the day in the park that you were sorry. And I believe you now. And I asked you if we could pray together. And you were like, yeah, and you just bowed your head right there. And I was like, all right, cool, we're doing this. Andrew, I forgive you. And the reason why is if God didn't forgive us for our actions or we were charged for every single thing that we've done in our life. Where would that leave us? It's these things that we're holding on to, trying to fix it. We're trying to make it right. And all we gotta do is just let it go. But I think it's so many times where I'm holding a grudge against a family member, you know, my wife or, you know, a close friend and you know, God reminds me of the forgiveness you've offered me. So I just hope you know how transformative your forgiveness is, um, not just in my life, but the way I've seen you impact so many people. It's been incredible. I am Jamel McGee, AKA Zuki, and I am second. I'm Andrew Collins, and I am second. I Am Second is a website that you can go to that has hundreds of stories of Jesus changing people in, in amazing, powerful ways. Many of them are famous people, many people you've heard of before. Um, but in this story of reconciliation, it took years, didn't it? Two years and then four years, and it was a process. It was a, a struggle of humbleness and, and, and battling uh, within Jamel to, to, you know, to release the pain and to give it to God so that when the moment came, he can step into these moments with authenticity and a, a real forgiveness in his heart to, to offer and release that, to, re, to release Andrew. He had to give away his hurt, his pain. And God gave him an exit, is what he said, right? Both Jamel and Andrew had to go through their own, although different, experiences of the same process of experiencing regret in different ways. And then, um, what's the second R? Repentance. Tur turning their lives to Jesus. They both did that individually in their own hearts by themselves, and God was doing this work so that when they came together in that park, there could be a moment of reconciliation and the next slide on the video said that today these two are best friends and their families, uh, there's kids play with each other and, and truly a, a story of restoration. You see, 
there had to be a breakthrough in them before there can be a breakthrough through them. God had to channel and flood their own hearts with his forgiveness and reconciliation in order for them to offer it to each other to come back together. Jamel became an ambassador of Christ's forgiveness and reconciliation to Andrew. And because of that authentic work in Jamel, it becomes this light to the world, to us, right? The third point is that reconciliation demonstrates the gospel, which is the good news, to a broken and a divided world. Amen? You see, when enemies are restored because of God, it shows the love of God. It is a demonstration. When marriages that are estranged can both humble themselves and come back together, it shows the, the, the forgiveness and the reconciliation power, the healing of God. When tribal division and political it divides become secondary to seeing each other is made in the image of God, which every single person is. So deal with that. And, and when we can see each other in that way, as God sees each other, the wor- and we can have this sense of unity and togetherness in spite of our differences, the world wonders how, why. The world cannot do it, can it? But with Jesus, we can be a demonstration of the reconciliation power to God. This is, our, this is our witness to the world when we can actually embody it and do it. When racial pain and conflict can be restored, the, it's a light to the world when we can be this embodiment for each other, to each other. It is a demonstration of the power of the gospel. In the future, in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, it says, you know where we're going? We're going to be worshiping God. Every tribe, tongue, nation, diversity coming together in a unified way. And we want to embody that here today, now, a reconciled group of very diverse people worshiping together. Do you believe that God can reconcile people in your life? Do you believe it? People that have hurt you, do you believe that God can restore and reconcile that relationship? You are an ambassador of Christ. One who can go to others and say, hey, we need to talk. We need to have a talk moment with the hope of restoring that relationship. Who has hurt you that God is inviting you to go talk with? pray for, hope that you can restore and reconcile that relationship. Or maybe you're like, I can't, Jesse. They have hurt me too bad. And the invitation for you is to allow God's forgiveness and his restoration to come into your heart, to overwhelm you so you so that you can release it to God, to Jesus, so that he can give you freedom, so that you can become like Jesus to see that person in the way he does, to want to reconcile that relationship. Romans 5.10, for if we, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? You see, we become saved by Jesus because of the work on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. 
when you put your faith in Christ to receive forgiveness, you become saved from eternal separation and punishment, reconciled to God. But being saved is more than just that. We become saved to reconcile with each other. God releases, we can give it to him and we can have restored relationships with one another. And as we enter into this last song of worship, I want you to pray and say, God, who are you inviting me to reconcile with? Or God, maybe you need to do a breakthrough in my own heart so that I can be an ambassador. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, that even though we were once enemies to you, you loved us and did everything necessary to build bridges to us through the cross for forgiveness and reconciliation. And may that penetrate and permeate and infuse our hearts to set us free because of what you've done for us. And God, may we just be running wild as ambassadors in this world, God. With the, me- with the message of reconciliation, God, may we want to see hurt relationships restored. And God, may we be the, the, the ones because of you in us to help facilitate these kinds of healing and restoration, God. May we be a church that does that, embodies that, God. May, may we honor you. May we love you. May we demonstrate who you are in this way. If there's anyone here, Jesus, who has never said yes to you, wants, and they want to submit their lives to you and follow you, you can say, God, I, I believe in you. I believe you love me. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Teach me your love so that I can love others. Thank you, God, that you receive me. Draw me near to you. God, may we be a church full of people who are ambassadors of your reconciliation, message and power. Release it in our lives for a world that is in desperate need of this witness. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.